Welcome to First and Fifteen, the show that takes you around the UK flag football scene. Sponsored by Nuola, your customised sportswear supplier. So we're back with another episode of First and Fifteen. It's Ultimate Teammates. And I think for the first time we are going truly international, not just to Wales. We're going all the way to Germany and we've got Louise Clever. How are we doing today? Good. It sounds weird hearing myself described as international. I always forget that I'm actually in Germany. <laughs> and unfortunately, Andrew can't be with us today, but he has brought in a replacement. And we've got Phil Gaydon. How are we doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks. Looking forward to this. So, Louise, let's look back slightly. Your, your start in flag football, where did you start and how did you get to where you are now? So when I went to uni, I went to Warwick University, I wanted to try a different sport because I hated that um, in school girls are only basically allowed to do netball and perhaps athletics. So I was looking around at the sports fair and was tempted by rugby and everyone in my halls wanted to do cheerleading. And I was a bit like, okay, that's the last thing I want to do. Um, but you don't want to be the one that's left out on the first day of uni. So I went along and there were a few guys there who were like, don't know why you're doing cheer. Why don't you come try American football? I thought, yeah, brilliant, that sounds fun. So I went and tried it, had a nice tasting session with Phil, in fact, and, yeah, basically just fell in love with it from there. Um, and back then was quite funny because we were, like, pretty much the only women's team, so we just either played against ourselves or against men, which is a bit of a, I don't know, fun introduction to the sport. Um, and then literally within the time that I started, the GB programme, I think, was being created about six weeks later, so we turned up for a sort of, I don't know, a trial day or whatever and somebody was like oh how long have you been playing said about oh six weeks and they just looked at me like I was crazy <laughs> um and so from the time I started till now all of a sudden the sport's kind of taken off and yeah the women's program's pretty massive now which is really cool. Phil can you remember back to those days of the Warwick Uni ones? Yeah I mean it's pretty hazy uh, going all that way back it was I think as I don't know if Andrew mentioned in the last podcast but it was essentially Andrew asked uh, my friend Pete Coppenhall if he fancied setting up a women's team uh, at that point, I think the first official BAFA women's team in the country. Uh, I put official in there because there was a debate that raged after we announced on the Warwick website uh, that this had happened, that there was a women's team many, many years ago. Um, so I'm saying we always say official now. It's the first official women's <laughs> team uh, endorsed by BAFA. Um, and then Pete just got me involved. I was a mediocre American football player at best um, and I'd never coached it at all. So it was a real short, sharp introduction to coaching um, with the Wolverines. And then, yeah, and then we got a couple of, a year or two into it. And Lou came along with her friend uh, Nugget, Jessica Critchley. And they came up to an away tournament in Sheffield with us. And there's lots of pictures of them doing crazy and funny stuff. I think they were very much the young ones on the team, along with Jamie Day and Beth Francis as well. Um, but then once the old guard left at the end of that year, they became... The senior players and really the heart of the team. I mean, all, all the good coaches go to Warwick University. That's where all, all the top level coaches. I, if, if I don't say that, I'll have Rob Coleman after me in a minute. <laughs> yeah, he has actually whatsoever, Marcus. He has actually messaged me with a question, which I'll ask you later on. Um, but let, let's look at your team first. We're going to go offense first. Who is going to be your quarterback for your ultimate teammates? So I thought about this a while because, like Phil said, we do have the original Jessica Critchley, our little nugget. Um, Phil has a tendency to always choose the smallest person on the team to be our quarterback. So I was going through all of my four-foot friends 
Um, special shout out to Kenza as well. Um, but I've actually settled, of course, on Millie Barrett, who I'm kind of cheating with because we played GB together. wasn't technically a club team, but I think that's allowed. Um, yeah, I mean, Millie has so much experience. She knows the game incredibly well. Um, she has no fear. And she's pretty cool to hang around with as well. So I figured who else to have as my quarterback than Millie, of course. Starting off strong there with a GB international. I mean, yeah. Who else? <laughs> so you've got Millie Barrett as quarterback. Who's your centre? Well, so this is another tricky one. I actually have three possible centres in my offensive lineup. Um, so choosing between the three, the other two I'm going to just leave as receivers, which I think is fine. Um, I'm going to go with a fellow Waldorf player, and that is Katrin Eichenhauer. She plays centre for us here in Germany, and um, she's just very, very a solid player. She's played with us at Champions Bowl and Big Bowls, so some people might have seen her around, um, I don't know, Vikings Bowl, King Bowl, Pink Bowl, those kind of international tournaments. Um She's actually formerly a tennis player, so very athletic, very fast, has pretty much no fear when it comes to being knocked out on the field. So she's uh, yeah, someone good to have there to receive a ball when you need it. So I'm going to go with Katrin there for my centre position. Safe hands, nice bit of speed. So you said you, you're, you're the three receivers. Who are we going to, are we going to have on your, your, your left your left-hand side first? So I'm going to go left-hand side the non-centre of the offensive line, is going to be Jenny Cooper. And um, so Jenny played with us with the Wolverines for years. Very, very good player. I think she even played GB tackle as well as GB flag as well. And I want her to carry on playing because I think she's taking a bit of a football break at the moment and concentrating on a bit of weightlifting. So my shout out to Jenny Cooper today is going to be to get her to uh, come back to the football world. Um, Jenny's just super fast, great hands. Um, I think she was probably, Phil would agree, one of our best receivers that we ever had with the Wolverines. Um, but one of my favourite things with Jenny was um, we were playing a tournament, I don't know where it was, perhaps Nottingham or somewhere around that area, where she actually broke her ankle while we were there. So I had a really fun car journey where we had to try and get me insured on her car because she'd driven and drive her back to her parents' house with her foot up in the air. Um, yeah, but she carried on playing after that anyway, despite, I think, having quite a lot of issues with her ankle afterwards. But I think she would be a nice little super speedy left receiver to have on my offence. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums up Jenny Cooper. I think the main thing about Jenny Cooper is just the fact she would put her body on the line no matter what. So I think by the end of it, she had fingers strapped up. She had those finger braces, her ankle strapped up, knees strapped up everything you can possibly think of strapped up and she'd still just be rolling around on the floor trying to catch balls and fighting with people and you know physically fighting not like um you know bar bar brawl fighting but yeah but she you know she just wouldn't ever let anything go uh and if anything was gonna if anything about her body she could put on the line uh she would do for sure so you've got jenny cooper on one side who've you got on the other okay so this is where i go back to my other potential centers so i'm gonna have uh, Jodie Harris, another former Wolverine, um, also part of the GB setup. And yeah, she's great because she's a very big target, nice and tall, can't coach height, as they always say. Um, safe hands, and she's, you know, solid. So if you've got a little bit of traffic going on, you can guarantee she's going to be the one that comes down with the ball. Um, but also, yeah, 
played for us as centre and I think he's pretty strong in that position as well. So if Katrin was to get injured, you know, keep him everything in line, that um, I have a backup there. So that's, that's my reason for having Jodie on there. But she's um, she's also a great team member. Um, she's got a sensible head on her shoulders. So if things are starting to go a bit crazy in the huddle or whatever, if the game's not quite going how we want it to go, then Jodie's definitely a great person to have in that huddle just to sort of keep everyone calm. I don't think I've ever seen her... Um, have any other emotion than just straight concentration and wanting to win the game no matter how the game's going so I think that's definitely an important thing to have um yeah that's probably another reason to have her in there yeah I think Lou's absolutely nailing this I think she's summing up these people perfectly um I think the funny thing obviously at the Wolverines was as Lou's already alluded to the fact that I picked quite small quarterbacks having someone like Jody then as you center just created this real sort of little and large uh scenario but i think her and maria pretty much embodied that they'd both be in the gym together they'd be working on football together um and everything but real sort of height discrepancy between your quarterback and center which i think maria loved because it meant that she could just put it up and hope that jody came down with it which more often than not she would yeah i think there's a good foot between the two of them right <laughs> well i think when jody joined the team i think her and jackie joined the team at the same time and added about 100% difference to uh, the, ha- the average height of the Wolverines team yeah. at that point. I think, I think up until that point, we literally had an average height of about five foot three, which was not ideal. <laughs> so you've got your third receiver. Are you, are you going to put them as a as a slot of running back or are you just going another receiver for you? I'm going to go with slot because I think speed-wise, this will make sense. Um, and that's going to be Lindsay Johnson. Um, again, I'm cheating a little bit here. I've only played with her at GB, but I think uh, we'll we'll allow it, hopefully. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm going for a bit of a theme here that all of my players on offence are pretty solid. So Lindsay, again, is another strong receiver. So not only is she fast with good hands, but she's also, again, she's got no fear. I think maybe that's coming from playing on an international level. It becomes a little bit more important that you're not scared of the ball and you're not scared of any sort of collision or whatever, because at that point, the speed and... You know, the strength of the players that you're playing against is on another level. Um, or maybe that's just me projecting my <laughs> my values onto everyone else. But Lindsay's just, she's very strong. You know, she doesn't complain if there's any level of contact. She just gets up and gets on with it. Um, you know, she's got a bit of a fiery nature, so she's happy to fight for the ball. Um, you know, good competitive streak. And as well, like I've played against her a, a good few times as well. And that's been great fun. So... Um, yeah, I think I would go for Lindsay at slot, even though you know she normally plays centre as well. But I think she's useful anywhere that she is on the field, to be honest. Yeah, I think with that, I think with that lineup, you're probably going to end up going five to seven yards every single play, just absolutely marching down the field. No one's giving up any short short balls on hitches or ins or, or outs or anything on on that lineup. That's really scary, solid. Uh, you're really going to have to fight fight for the ball if you're on defence against that lot. <laughs> Well, speaking of defence, we're going to move on to these guys now. Uh, so, had a quick idea, what sort of formation are we looking at for your defensive one? Oh, well, as a defence lover myself, I don't think I could choose one. I'm very much a fan of having a different defensive formation for every offence formation. Um, I don't know if that's been perhaps drilled into me by having been coached my whole life by Phil. <laughs> Regardless of where I am, Phil seems to be there. Um yeah, I've always played with defences that I consider to be just very intelligent defences. So I think something we've always worked really hard on, no matter which format it's with, um, that we've 
always been very quick to react to whatever is happening on the field. And I think for me, defence is it's really important that you play clever. You know, with offence, I know there's a lot of Benny will go on about dragging players here, there and everywhere and where you want to receive the ball. But in my opinion, defence is where you've got to watch the entire field. You need to know where everyone is and you need to know exactly what's going on all of the time. Everyone has to do their job on defence, which is why I love it. Um, so, you know, for example, something like trips, we might play in a box formation. If you notice there's a lot of things going on in the middle, then maybe we'll stick a linebacker underneath. Um, you know, you've got teams where you can play man if you know that you can out-athlete them, as Phil would say. Um, I'm quite a big fan. We, you know, we do prevent when it's fourth and long, you, that you send everyone deep and you have one person underneath. Um, there's a specific play on that that I'll mention later when we get to one of our players in particular. But, yeah, I'm just quite a big fan of reacting to whatever the offence is doing because I just think, especially when I listen to Benny talk about, you know, if he sees one lineup all the time, it's just easy. Or if he sees no blitz or a blitz, you know, I think it's fun to mix things up and it just means the offence have to pay more attention because there's nothing worse than when an offence walks off and goes, oh, that play's working every time or, oh, we're playing the same three plays all the time. So I'm quite a fan of mixing it up, if I'm going to be honest on that front. I mean, I think Lou's made that sound like it's uh, a coaching philosophy. But as I said at the beginning, I literally went in with no knowledge whatsoever. So to be honest, taking that approach was more no idea what I was doing for about the first five years um, of my coaching career. If I even have any idea what I'm doing now. So covered it well. Yeah, you've made it sound like it's a decent coaching philosophy. Thank you, Lou. Roll with it, roll with it. Son. It meant to happen. <laughs> so who we got first on defence then? So um, my first defence member, this probably won't be a shock to many people, um, is my number one football, I'm going to fangirl a little bit, is Ellie Thorpe. Um, Ellie, aside from just being one of my best friends, she's hilarious and training is always so much fun when she's there. She commits herself so much, like she talks everything through until she has every detail in her head. If she doesn't understand something, I think it bugs her for days. If she has a bad session, it bugs her for days. Um, so she just works crazy hard. And I don't know, I think because I've watched her join Wolverines when I'd already been there for a while to now seeing her, you know, kind of defensively leading sometimes at Hyde Park Renegades and sometimes with GB as I wasn't there last time. Um, I don't know, it's just nice to have watched her develop. Um, she played offence a lot with us on Wolverines, which I think is really, really a decent background to have when you play defence you know what the receivers are looking for. I think it's also good to know, obviously, how to catch well because we want interceptions. You've still got to be equally as aggressive. Um, so I know that Ellie's like got quite a big, uh, quite a good background in that sort of uh, style as well. She also played contact for a bit. So again, sticking with my team philosophy, someone who's strong, someone who's not scared, you know, she'll go in for any tackle. She's not going to get injured easily, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, just her overall physical ability plus her knowledge of the game and her willingness to learn about the game. She's going to be my number one defender there. Yeah, I think um, this recurrent theme now coming out between Jenny, Jody, and Ellie is all of them started in flag, then went to do contact and perhaps maybe antithetical to what you'd expect, but all three of them came back to flag rather than disappearing into contact. And I think we're all better for it and all had this mentality that Lou's talking about now and being able to bring that to the flag game was really important. Um, and I think actually all of them so far, uh, Lou's picked out people who, as a coach, 
you love having because they're just constantly questioning and constantly wanting to know more and learn more and bring more and then at some point they definitely transcend your knowledge and start pushing back a lot harder and usually are right so I think that goes through Millie as well as a quarterback having seen Millie develop as a quarterback at GB level she does exactly the same thing just was constantly questioning um I think right back to the first GB outing in Spain um, I remember sort of even when Millie wasn't playing quarterback at that point, she was still questioning, like, what are we doing on defense? What are we doing on offense? Should we be doing this? Should we be doing that? Um, that definitely applies for Jenny. Um, maybe Jody a little less, but Jenny definitely and Ellie, certainly in the past couple of years, Ellie has no problem calling calling out any coach uh, when she doesn't think what you're doing is right. And she'll back down if, she, if you convince her, but if you don't convince her, then you're probably going to have to change it. Yeah, I think that's um, kind of a really positive sign of the women's sport and how it develops is that you've got, you know, you ha you start with that stereotypical thing of girls being coached by guys. And, you know, you kind of want to see that there's more female coaches coming through or that basically you get to grips with the game. Because obviously we'd all never seen it before. I remember watching the Super Bowl my first year of uni and not having a clue what was going on. Like, it's not a sport that we were exposed to. And I think now you see that you've got players. I mean, Cougars are slightly different because they have played for so long. Um but yeah, that sort of thing with with Ellie, for example, where she will come in and say, I've got an idea for this defence and it's something that works. And I love that, you know, like we have 15 year old players who come along with a play and say, I think this might work. And I kind of like that the female side of it is gaining enough confidence to be able to say, you know, I know that the coach has said we should do this, you know, or even to pick out, you know, we it's fourth and long and the coach is telling us to, to play hot and we don't, we don't, we think maybe he's not realised what the down is or you know, we don't think that's the right thing to do is to actually be able to start saying, no, this is our, you know, this is what we think and being able to have a bit more input and to show that we know the game just as well as anyone else. Um, and I think that's something I've seen change massively over, say, the last, I don't know, five or six years, especially, whereas at the beginning, obviously, we were all just doing as we were told, which is not always the greatest dynamic to have. Um, but I think that's, again, a sign that the women's sport is developing and equal in the men's side of it now. Yeah, and I think one of the things with... Um... With, as Lou mentioned there about the Cougars, is one of the reasons perhaps that they're so far ahead already is because Millie was becoming a coach as she was becoming an amazing quarterback. And as much as that team has input from its community, it really is team-led. The people, the people on the pitch are the coaches. Um, they're all learning together. They're all learning and moving forward together. And it's really an amazing thing to watch, which perhaps isn't something that we replicated at the start. Uh, with creating other women's teams as we were all finding our feet as organizations and everything and as Luke who'd never even seen the sport before coaches like myself who'd never done anything like this before um, so it's a real testament to the Cougars that they've solidified that within the team and don't necessarily need that kind of external input from uh, from coaches and as Lou said men so we've got Eddie Thorpe is your your first defensive player who have you got in your second one so my second player, and this is going to be a bit more of a position specific, not that she can't play other positions, but she works well in this position. I hope I say her surname right, even though I've known her as long as I can remember. I've never <laughs> said her surname. And that's Kate Brunvers. Is that how you say it? I don't know. Phil's heard it before. Um, we just call her Kate, so that's easier. Um, I've chosen Kate because I think often a blitz is quite an underrated position on the field. I don't know if that comes from... Um, when you have a new player turn up and they want to play a tournament next week, you kind of just say, well, stand here at blitz and run at the quarterback. And it seems like an easy job to do, perhaps. But um, I, I, perhaps having been influenced by Benny a bit where, you know, 
he doesn't get sacked often, but if you see a team with a good blitz, it can completely throw their whole game. Because if he's out of it, then they're stuffed. So I think that's kind of like solidified my idea that the blitz is actually a really important role. And if you get someone who excels in it for some reason or another, it's, it becomes really obvious. With Kate, she's not tall, so it's not like she has that kind of dangerous advantage, but she's very quick and she breaks down well. She's very athletic, very agile. So to fit that role of blitz, I think she did really well. And I think I have to mention probably one of the greatest moments in my life, <laughs> which was at, I think, was it the 2017 European Championships in Denmark? And I think we'd lost to Denmark. We'd beaten, who had we beaten? Norway, maybe, or something? Who else was uh, there? Or Finland. Finland, yeah. And we were playing Israel. And we needed, I think we were kind of playing them again, and we needed to beat them basically to get silver. And our offense had done superbly. We were kind of neck and neck the whole game. And it kind of came down to this last play of the game. They had, I don't know, a few seconds left on the clock, two plays left or so. And I just remember this concept of Phil and Kate playing this kind of cat and mouse game with the Israeli quarterback of Phil telling Kate, right now you go forward because it will make her do this. Now come back, it will make her do this. Now go forward. And there was there was this golden moment, I think, where I don't know if she, uh, I think, don't she got a sack think- or she- no, so I think the first thing that happened was the interception. So we needed the interception to get the ball back. Otherwise, yeah. they were going to ice the game. And that was when, yeah. And this talking about another player that you already mentioned, Ellie, having Elliot linebacker playing that cat and mouse game with the quarterback, Kate as uh, as blitz and but stop to get in the way. And I think Phoebe got a hand on it, which then put it up in the air, and Kate Kate came down with it. And if you ask Kate now, what you know what happened, she swears she has absolutely no memory <laughs> of what was actually happening during that play. I think everyone going mental. And then right at the end of the game, we'd managed to score off that drive. Again, such a well-led drive by Millie, uh, along with Mick as the coach at that time, to make sure that we got the score ahead. And then they had a couple of plays to go for it. And Kate was just chasing the quarterback down while all the receivers tried to get up the field. Kate got the sack and everything just went everything just went mental. Yeah, everyone was screaming. I, honestly, it's such a blur for me. Like You know how some people can remember every single minute of every single play of every game? Like I just remember this whole craziness and this whole blur and just Kate being stood in the middle like with a flag and that's pretty much like that whole game for me <laughs> yeah no it was brilliant and there's the video of it as well which is up on up on Facebook and there's just you know it just goes amazing and just how much that moment meant to everyone um finally beating Israel um we didn't get the points difference to go into the gold silver playoff but it was just it was just an amazing moment yeah I mean you mentioned the blitzer then saying like if you have the new person come in you know, just stand there, stand there seven yards away and run forward, that's it. Has the blitz evolved in your mind? I mean, I've, I've seen, I remember like a long time ago when we first started having like the seven yard blitzes and things. And it was normally like the new people. So you, as a quarterback, it was very, once you dodged that one person, that was it. It was like an open play for you. And now it just seems to be that the, the, the blitzers have got a hell of a lot faster, but they're also a hell of a lot more agile and can break down on the spot. And so there is no like movement and you're open, that's it. It's it's just evolved into like one of the key positions on defense now. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much why I would put someone like Kate in as a specific blitz player, because I, I totally agree. I think it did start out like that, that you just run at the quarterback and you know, hope hope for something. And very rarely you got a sack, maybe you did, I don't know. 
But I think now, like you, we see even um, safeties being game changers. I think even perhaps the GB final this year against Spain, I think Millie unfortunately got a safety and I think that rocked the game. Like, I just think that it can be such a game changer if you get something like that. Um, I think there's a lot of kind of playing the game a little bit. People know the rules better. So, for example, if a blitz full starts, people know, can someone else go and when they can go? Whereas I think perhaps... 10 years ago or so, people just kind of carried on playing their normal game. There's a lot more awareness now of um, kind of tricks like that. There's also things, you know, where, I don't know if I'm sharing a team tactic here or not, but you put your hand up as blitz, the centre looks down, you swap sides so that you, the centre kind of doesn't know where you're coming from and it can cause them to have like a, a blocking the blitzer foul because obviously the centre looks up and thinks they're coming from my left. Stuff like that, you know, looking at which hand the quarterback throws with or what's their strong hip or is there a hip they offer more? Uh, is there a side they roll out to more? Like people are watching game footage even to see is there a side they favour? Can they throw across their body or not? You know, all of these little things that people now take seriously or, you know, it can give you an edge. And like I say, having watched Benny play over and over again and he's not someone who gets sacked very often. And if you if there's a game that perhaps they don't win or that was close or he was struggling... You, more, nine times out of ten he'll come off and say my god that blitz was insane um, and he might play that team again and they have a different blitz and it's a completely different environment like they might actually crush the game because the blitz has changed um, so I, I actually think it's a really value point because as well at the end of the day if the quarterbacks don't have long to throw as well you know it completely changes the speed of the game as well the accuracy has to be different um, they've got something else to think about you're putting pressure on them and I think that can't be underrated at all. Oh, not at all. And I think uh, talking about blitzes who've changed games, I think in the semi-final of this this uh, GB getting silver at the championships, I think against Austria, finally beating Austria, I think Sarah Wakelin made a massive difference there as blitzer because, again, Saskia being one of the most amazing quarterbacks in the women's game, if not the best long-thrower quarterback in the, in the women's game, the only way to take Austria down at that point was to have a blitz that got to her quick enough that she could, her receivers couldn't develop their roots. And Sarah did that amazingly. Um, and so I think, yeah, blitzes definitely, definitely change games. I think on uh, Lou's point about little tactics as well, I think the fact that, yeah, in our defences, we started working out that the blitz is so important that if you, if you false start, you've got to send somebody. Uh, and that person needs to know that they're going and they're going straight away. Um, although having said that, I think uh, to bring in my team for a second, so I play for Victoria Park Panthers, one of the things is we do talk about the uh, necessity of a treacle blitz as well. You know, sometimes a slow, steady blitz. That could be because we're all getting a bit older and a bit slower. Um, so we're trying to defend the fact that we're, uh, that we're all getting older and slower by developing the treacle blitz. But I think control in that respect is so important. But if you can have a speedy, agile, nimble blitzer that can just be on top of a quarterback, it absolutely game changer. Yeah. But then again, that's another thing that perhaps as well you say, slow and steady is height as well so the Wardoff men have got a six foot I think he's even a bit bigger than Benny maybe six foot eight uh, blitzer I mean he is pretty fast he's a decent receiver as well but like the amount of pick sixes I've seen him make on a five yard line just because he's massive and you know standing up against a, a quarterback from Denmark or whatever who's very very good but perhaps five eight five nine and it, it definitely can be daunting and if you've got that arm span with your hands up there's not many people who can throw over or around somebody who's six for eight you know so not it doesn't have to be speed and agility sometimes height also works but it can definitely be a game changer in my opinion I mean I, Saskia told me herself once I think it was after a big bowl game where she just said my god your blitz was killing me and I'd never really thought about it until that day so yeah I agree with Phil on that one 
And I think one of the funniest battles you can get on a flag football pitch is between the centre and the blitzer. I think because the centre, as far as I'm concerned, I think Lou might agree, is, is so important also to the offensive game that if the blitzer in the centre can get in that little tit for tat, like who, sh- who dropped what shoulder, who <laughs> actually was in the way of who, um, it can really throw one or both of them off their game and you get nice little chippy battles going on between centres and, and blitzers at that point, um, which, you know, adds to the fun of it all. Yeah, absolutely. So your next defensive player, who have we got? So I'm going to go with another German player. This is someone who plays both sides of the ball, so also a very fantastic receiver as well, but that's Kura Fischer. Um, she... <laughs> She's quite similar to Ellie. I'd have to describe her in terms of speed, size, you know, ability to catch, tackle and everything like that. She, um, she's, I think she's trialled for Germany in the past and sort of been part of the practice programme. Um, so we'll see if that kind of develops into something when Germany rejoins the IFAF world and Corona is over and whatnot. Um, she's also a very intelligent person, intelligent player. She's actually a doctor who semi-helped delivered our baby. <laughs> um, very, very clever person. So she, again, to have on defence, to read the game, um, you know, similar similar mentality. I mean, clearly I have a, a theme in my team here, which I don't want to go on about too much. So, yeah, similar to Ellie, she'll make decisions. Um, I also quite like that she's got this don't be a hero mentality that feels coached into us in that if you match up against someone who it doesn't work against, it might not be for any particular reason, just it doesn't work whether they're faster taller whether you they're running routes that you can't reach she'll also be quite happy to say we need to switch something up because I'm not going to be here and she's also equally happy when I say that like we had a game where there I don't know there was some kind of um post corner or something coming from one side over to my side and she turned around and said like why are you not getting this and I said I just can't get there so it was like okay that's fine let's swap or let's change the defense up there's no complaining that it's not working and wanting to just stick to it well it should work you know she's got the intelligence to want to mix things up as well so it's quite nice to have her as someone on your team to like bounce ideas off of as well um as well as the fact that she's just a phenomenal player she can catch everything she's fast agile um yeah won't, won't let a tackle go past her <laughs> if she can help it so I think she'd be quite a solid person to have on my uh, on my defense with me so I'm glad I could actually spell that that German name. I'm still I'm still trying to work out how to spell your centre's name. My Katrin Eisenhower. I'll uh, I'll send it to you after if you need it need it written down. Oh, I'll check myself just to make sure. <laughs> uh, you've got two more slots on defence. Who have we got? Yeah, so another player who could play offence, but I have played defence with in the past, and that's Kelly Barrett. You can't really go anywhere without the Barrett sisters, so I might might as well put them both in there. Um. I, I know Kelly's played offence a lot as well, but she did play defence with me when I started out with GB. Um, kind of was a match for me with corner. We both played corner. I think perhaps quite similar players, you know, not both not particularly tall, but kind of just make up for it in being aggressive. <laughs> um, I mean, what can you say about Kelly? She's multiple-time MVP. She's played her whole life. She Her life is football. So she's aggressive. She's competitive. She's... Um, you know, she knows the game inside out. She doesn't want to lose. So, you know, she'll do anything she can if it means getting an interception or, you know, knocking a ball down on fourth and long, even if she's up against someone who's six foot tall, you know, Kelly will be there. She's, you know, she's like the little pit bull that won't give up. So um, definitely a talented player to have on defence, but also, again, um, someone who brings a lot to the field. 
and yeah is also just a great person to around she's a good laugh so I uh, wanted to put Kelly in somewhere so I'm going to put her there on my defense yeah I think there's a video from way back when we started with the elite women's project uh, that sums up sort of Kelly's tenacity which is where she's actually playing at blitz uh, against the men's team and she blitzes the running back takes off uh, dodging all the team and then out of nowhere from behind him Kelly's made it all the way back up the field as the blitzer to come and make the tackle as well um, might have even been a short route rather than the running back but either way Kelly just chasing him down to make sure that a tackle happens and I think yeah you can't get better for, t- for tenaciousness than Kelly and I didn't talk much about Millie because I knew that Lou was going to bring up Kelly as well because I think taking them together they really do just exemplify exemplify flag football in so many ways they are a big part of uh, how it's been driven forward. Um, them, they, them and their family have supported it and just given their lives over to it in a way that's just, yeah, really inspirational in a lot of ways. I think I'll never forget that first Elite Women's Project um, tournament, which I had to be grateful for because it's actually how I ended up meeting my husband when we came over to Big Bowl as like a, a test to see if GB women could play on an international level. And uh, so we came over and I had, well, I've always had terrible problems with my back and... I remember I'd leant down in the shower to pick something up, stood up and basically was like, okay, I can't walk. Um, A day before we flew out and their parents, the Barrett parents turned up with their camper van, put it out on the corner and they were constantly refilling me a hot water bottle from their caravan, uh, strapping it to my back in between games just to make sure that like I got back out on the field. And uh, I think it's it's stuff like that. Like you can count on, you can count on all of them to basically do whatever you need to win the game. Yeah, I think, I think along with, yeah, along with Mandy and Mark, they are the flag football family. Yeah, absolutely. So your, your final defensive uh, position, one left. Who have we got on this one? So I am going for. Ah, okay. This is a this is an interesting one for me. I think. Yeah, I'm going to hope I get a surname right. I always thought it was Emma Dedicott, but I think it's spelled Dedicote. So I don't know how you say it. Sorry, Emma, for me getting your name wrong. Um, yeah. So. Emma and I overlapped only for a little bit in the GB programme um, because unfortunately I couldn't go to Israel, when was it last year? Because it was our first week of school and my school uh, said absolutely no way can you miss the first week of school. So um, we trained together for a bit but didn't actually get to play in Israel together but I watched her like crazy because um, she just kind of came from nowhere. I had the feeling perhaps it was me being in Germany, I don't know. But she... I had been with her a few trials and a few camps where she was quite quiet and she sort of asked me for a lot of advice and um, yeah, just felt like she had quite a nice nature to the way she wanted to learn the sport with it being perhaps something quite new to her. And then all of a sudden I was watching her in Israel and it was just like seeing another person. She just was full of confidence, absolutely flourished. She was way stronger than I'd ever seen her in the past, you know, in terms of having no fear um, I think to step up onto an international scale like that and to be playing the games they were playing, you know, they were playing Spain and Austria. Um, you know, when I think back to 2015 in Madrid when we went out first time and we played, I think, was it Spain our first game or France? And we got beaten something like 50-0. And off the field and Phil and Andre at the time were just like, you all just stood still. You all froze. The ball moved and none of you moved. Like, it was just terrifying. So I think to watch her at quite a young age go out and play those teams... And maybe as a testament, I don't know, to the defence she had around her, to the coaches. Like I say, I wasn't completely familiar with the new setup with Dean and everything at that point. But she just flourished. And I was really proud to see that, to see her play like that. And um, I would be really interested to see like where her kind of football career takes her. 
because I think being so young and kind of wanting to learn so much and being still at the moment quite sort of impressionable that you can mold her how you want to in a way um I think she'd be a great person to have on the team so I'm gonna go with her to bring something a little bit different into my into my squad I think that perfectly sums it up I can't I can't add anything to that in the sense of even though I was only a little bit after Lou I also one of the reasons I stepped down was because my school also absolutely no way you can take this <laughs> off um uh but uh, I don't know what I know what I wanted to in my school's fairness, just in case anyone from the school listens to this. Um, I'm not blaming the school. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think, yeah, you know, Emma was really starting to come into her own. Um, and I think whatever happened then in the GB setup after that, she obviously massively flourished within it. Um, and so all credit to both her and the, and the staff around her, because as Lou said, she was phenomenal. So I do remember Emma Dedicote because... She, uh, I coached at one of the teams at Big Bar for one year. It was me, Rob, and Steve Pogmore who went down there. Um, and we had Emma and her older sister, Laura. Yeah, and I remember that. You look at Emma, and she was just a natural athlete. I think that year, it's, it's a weird crossover, that she was the she was playing field hockey as well. And she was, I think they were about to go to like the national championships. She was the top point scorer in her team. And... It was the same day as the GB trials, and she was she was torn pretty much between does she go for GB, or does she go and compete in the national championships for for other sport, and I think she was she was she was still on and over on the on the day of the actual the the trials and everything, and she she, she um, Laura eventually convinced her to go to the hockey, and I think I think she said she's played a game I don't can't if she won or not but straight after the game she said. Yeah, it's been really good playing hockey with you, but I'm 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 going to go and play football now, and she decided her career at that point, and she was, she was off. But again, you watch her like, at Big Bowl, and you never would think that she'd only been playing for a couple of months. I mean, we we took the team over of like Jody, Ellie, Laura, and things like that, and she didn't look out of place at all. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we played against you guys. I think it broke my heart. <laughs> I do remember that game. It was an interesting one for you. Uh, so you've got one player left, you substitute. Yes. Who are we going for? I am going to go for the lovely Jenny Mack. Um, I have played with Jenny for years. She was another Wolverine. Um, and she came with us to the 2015 Madrid International uh, European Championship. And she, I think we voted her by the end, sort of our Lions Lion. Um, she's a, she's a great player. She's uh, obviously knows what she's doing and has a fantastic knowledge of the game. Um, but I'm picking her solely for the fact that she is absolutely the number one cheerleader. I've never seen somebody who can support so well, regardless of if she was playing or if she wasn't playing. She just had everyone's back. She was the most positive person, um, and that's such a great influence to have on a team, especially on an international level where sometimes things don't go right, and it's so easy to you know, not that people attribute blame or anything, but people hang their heads, you know, if offense isn't doing well or defense isn't doing well, it's, it is easy to start to get fractions within a team when things aren't going well. And she just, in terms of rallying people and, um, you know, the water bottles were always filled. She had a system. She had everyone's water bottles in a line on a day that she didn't play. And she had everything set up and there was never any kind of problem with the fact that she might be taking the day off, for example. And, 
she came always with the most positive um, attitude, you know, in training. She always gave it everything. There was never a day where she sat there and said, oh, I can't really be bothered today or oh, I've got stuff going on. She was always there. She gave everything. And she was just such a positive person to have around. I think by the end of it, everyone just fell in love with her completely. Um, yeah, and that's why she got voted out of Lions Lion. So I think I would um, take her for that alone, aside from the fact that she also like I said, knows the game really well. And she's got a very natural coaching ability, even though technically she's never sort of been there as a coach. But you can go to her and say, like, what am I doing? Why is this happening? Or what just happened there? And she'll just tell you point blank, this is what happened and this is what you need to do. Um, and I really valued that, especially with the first um, championships we went to. You know, as being captain, sometimes you don't always uh, trust what you think or you're not sure if, if what you're saying is right. And she was always there to kind of, put me in my place, tell me if I was saying the right or the wrong thing. Um, and I just found that really useful, perhaps to have sort of an ear there for me um, as someone who's also on the team. So I would take Jenny Mack kind of as my support as well as my sub. <laughs> I think the fact she's never played a team sport before, before she came to play Wolverines uh, flag football, I think, uh, you know, the selfless mentality she immediately brought to it, uh, despite having never played team sport, never sort of playing in that kind of environment before was just phenomenal. I think in the first year at the Wolverine, she got uh, the award for best banter. Um, yeah. She also just keeps everyone smiling and laughing because she she is not averse to taking aim at the other team with some quite cutting barbs. Um, you know, she means them all in good in good spirits, but it definitely keeps everyone smiling, keeps everyone keeps everyone happy. And as Lou said, natural, natural leader, natural coach, um, really understood everything and just will work her socks off no matter what and be there for whatever you needed. And that's just invaluable to a team mentality. I think it's a testament to the fact that we love defence so much that we probably spent double the amount of time going through my defence than offence with slightly biased, so I think. <laughs> yeah, it's probably my fault as much as anything as well. <laughs> so there's your ultimate teammate. I'm guessing you're going to be happy with that one. It's, it's a interesting concept to do on this one but we are we have got one question so i've got one question from Robcom, and i've got to ask it because otherwise you'll never leave me alone about this one he, he's going back to your to your big bowl days when, when you were over from an english point of view and your team was you ellie rachel kenza jody marie nicola and karen mm -hmm. uh, you did have jen cooper in there as well but she had to come out a few days before I think mm -hmm. she, I think he's got like three days before they went, and then you in, lost two people in the first uh, first game. Can you remember this tournament? I remember the tournament. I don't remember losing two people in the first game though. But I do remember. So I don't know what the question's going to be, but I do vividly remember the last game. I think that's where it's going. So I don't I don't know if this is where it's going. So basically, we were all. This is where I think maybe we were playing just five of us by this point, perhaps. Yeah, I think... we were all absolutely exhausted. It was boiling hot, playing both ways, and we had all of Benny's family were watching down one end. And I remember we took so much pre-workout to try and like get ourselves ramped up. And I remember at one point Kenza threw me an absolute bullet of a fly in the end zone, and I was completely free. And I just didn't even have the energy to get my hands up. I remember just being a little bit like, uh, and then and just completely dropped the ball and saying to Kenza, like, I just can't even lift my hands up anymore. I'm so exhausted. So I think that's that's the vibe of that game. But I don't know what his question would be necessary. Well, so he's going more to how did it feel? Because he, he won't stop going on about this, Bonnie. It was your, your highest finish as a British team in in, 
at big ball at that point. Mm-hmm. And it's it just kind of, um, it was the, didn't you win by, you beat the Cougars by point difference? Quite possibly, yeah. Yeah, it was so close. The main, main question was, what, what's your memories and your feelings about that one? Just, just for him, it's gonna. <laughs> for him, he'll put I, it out and pay for it. Dig at me and uh, say he did better with the Wolverines than I did. I think it's <laughs> a, a sidebar, but me. I mean, so in terms of the the tournament as a whole, like you know, I've spoken to Phil about this loads of times. Like that team that we went with, like those players, we kind of call it like the golden age of the Wolverines when we had, you know, like when it was sort of me, Ellie, Jody. We had Struds then, and then Kenza came in at quarterback, and I did that team gelled really, really well. Um, and so I think that it felt really positive at Big Bowl that year. Um, so, I, yeah, and, you know, there were times when we did beat the Cougars, and there were times when we got absolutely killed by the Cougars, and it was, you know, it was definitely always a nice feeling when you beat them because they're such an un- unbelievable team. Um, and, like, you look at the fact that they've won, you know, Champions Bowl now. So to beat them at any point, you know, like back in the day when we beat London Warriors, it was kind of that level of, you know, you're beating a team that are unbeatable. Um, yeah, and then especially somewhere like Big Bowl where the atmosphere is crazy, the weather's hot, you know, we were yeah, potentially down to five players, I don't know. Um, that was a pretty insane tournament. I think all my Big Bowls for me are always quite memorable. So I'm sure he can rest happy in, in the fact that that was definitely <laughs> a highlight of my football career for sure. Um, yeah, and it's always nice when you, you come out to represent you know, the country that you're from and that you do well. No one likes to be just going there as the token team that finishes last, but oh well, you know, it's um to go out and be competitive as well is also just another sort of icing on the cake for us as well. Yeah, I think to like link back to a point that Lou made before about playing people like the Cougars and London Warriors with, especially with people like Millie and Kelly is um, maybe it's giving away too much now, but I think since we're taking a break, we probably can on terms of team tactics. But one of the things with the Cougars, one of the ways that, we beat the Cougars previously in tournaments was if we said, well, if we manage to get one touchdown on them, then just be as friendly as is humanly possible because we love them, they love us. And if we make it a really nice game, maybe we'll forget the fact that we're winning um, and just take their foot off the gas. And I think I, I think do that really remember time. that happening once where yeah. I remember, I think we were one touchdown ahead and obviously they don't worry about that because one touchdown to them is not really a big deal. Whereas we're thinking like, okay, one touchdown ahead, we're going to win this game. And I vividly remember Mandy, like we were all chatting and high-fiving, like, oh, good tackle, nice catch. And Mandy shouting, girls, stop being so nice. Get your heads in the game. You want touchdown back. And then just being like, oh, yeah, okay. Like as a real vivid memory. So I think, yeah, yeah, you're right. That tactic of always being a bit nice and playing nice and slowly. Don't get them riled up because, you know, the more aggressive they are, the better they play. Everyone knows that. So, yeah, Yeah. that's totally true, Phil. You need need them to take their foot off the gas because otherwise you've got no chance. Yeah. A little bit of running the clock, I remember as well, shouting at Phil when he was telling us to run the clock. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that'll be nothing on the uh, London Warriors game, though, uh, where we basically asked Jed for a five-second countdown before every single play. And I think yeah. this brings in playing uh, Andre going right the way back to the Elite Women's Project days. I think that was one of our earliest interactions with Andre Clark and just uh, him going mental on the far sideline while Jed's winding us down. I think even the point where the players felt awkward yeah, I remember being like, I don't want to do this. This feels like bad sportsmanship at this point. <laughs> um, but yeah, fun, fun times, fun times. I think running down the clock has become and taking the knee has become way more standard in the in yeah. the women's game now. That, but I think back back in those days, it was definitely not seen as as good form. Yeah, we were too nice. We needed to play competitively. <laughs> so 
So one thing we do on this up on this show is we we have the previous guest will ask you a question, and Andrew couldn't decide between these two questions, so I'm going to let you pick one of them between you two. Mm-hmm. One question is: if you could change one rule in flag, what would it be? And the other question is: if you had one season where it didn't really matter, and you you basically had the opportunity to trial an offense, what would you trial? Any sort of offensive ideas that you you wanted to throw in there? I, I know, I know as, a, as a defensive player, that's kind of going against your 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 mentality yeah. on this one. I'd I'd go for the rule change question, Phil. What do you think? Yeah, I'm happy with the rule change question. Okay, so my my answer to rule change one is is the first thing that comes to my head is, um, I I quite like the concept in the states. I think one of their formats is that you're you've got this five yard kind of you're allowed to push off within five yards. So that you kind of have a teeny bit more contact because I think everyone does it anyway. And I definitely know if somebody pushes me, I push them back. So it would be quite nice if it was legal. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, I think on the starting line that you can have a little bit more or, you know, on the five yard line when you're going for going for the extra point on the touchdown, that it could just be a little bit more. Um, yeah, strong. I don't know why you need the rule change, Lou. That's what you did anyway. I know, but you know, it'd be nice not to put, be pulled for it every once in a while. It helps being small and blonde because you can walk away and smile and just be like, I didn't do anything. Well, I think one of the uh, one of the biggest uh, battles we ever saw on the pitch was Wolverines versus Leeds. Was it? Was Bo, Bo Stewart playing for Leeds? Um, yeah, and uh, and just Bo and Lou just were going at each other, no matter where they were on the pitch, no matter what was happening, they were just going at each other within those first few yards. Um, so if that had been legal, then God knows how far out of hand it would have got. I have to say she pushed me first. And if she's going to push me, I'm going to push back in my defence. <laughs> I just think everyone does it, like unless it's just me being biased. Yeah, especially, no, especially end zone defence. What are you going to do? Like five yard, five yard defence, it's just going to happen. It's my biggest pet hate when it's like somebody stands there and lets them run past. And it's like, oh, but I couldn't touch them. You're like, yeah, but you're two yards away from them. Just stick to them like glue. So if you could just, you know push a little bit like uh, there are formats where I think they give you five yards or so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that <laughs> so you're now on about turning the 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 five yard no run zone into a like a bump and run coverage no 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 not quite that extreme like no just you know a bit of shoulder barging is not the end of the world polite shoulder barging I think this explains how I've ended up breaking so many parts of my body but yeah I mean, everyone does it. You know, I'm not talking about extreme tackling or anything, but just being able to put your hands up a little bit. Maybe so it's Phil, a suggestion. Luckily, I don't get to choose the rules. <laughs> Phil, what's your one rule change? Uh, so it, it's a slightly watered down version of one that I already said for pulling the flag ages ago, which is basically, unless there's a new version of the rules that I haven't seen, but I'm going off the 2019 ones that are up, which is... In the rules, because this is just one that just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. In the rules, it still says um, players must be of uh, teams can only have players of the same sex. That's like rule one, article one at the bottom of that. Teams can only have players of the same sex. They did introduce uh, the national changes options, which says teams can have players of different sex if you want to for a national competition. But as far as I'm concerned, why have they still got that line in there that says teams must have players of the same sex? You know, especially if you can just make the change, then just get rid of it. It's outdated in this day and age. It brings up notions of sex and gender that we don't need to necessarily debate, especially within the flat football world. Just get rid of it and just say teams can have players of different sexes no matter what. Okay, scrap my rule. I'm going with Phil. 
this is a lot about us. I'm just like full on aggression and you're like actually looking into what the rules say. I'm with Phil. I changed my answer. I think that Phil's right. Um, you've gone from what, like violence in the five yard line to, to, to gender equality in the, in the space of like a minute. You know what I have to say is that playing against guys is sometimes more fun because you can get away with a little bit more violence. So I feel like playing it as a mixed sport actually does well to benefit my role too. So there's a little bit of a little bit of bias in there um, because they don't necessarily notice so much if you shoulder barge them because they're usually a bit bigger than you. So it's also the fact that you're not saying aggression, you're always saying violence as well. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I used the word violence first, did you, I? You did say that. then. You you said it first. I was copying you. Um it should never be violent, no. Never violent, just um a little aggressive. bit aggression is never never a, a bad thing. You can't coach aggression. That's why I love a player who turns up who's not scared to jump in traffic for a ball. Not I mean, that they're going to smash someone's face in. That's not okay, obviously. <laughs> I mean, you say playing against the men's teams as, as a female team. Would you say that improves you as a team and your your standing? The only reason I'm looking at that one is if you look at the Cougars, the women's team that they've got, that now play in the, the, the Baffa Senior League, and they have done for a few years, and you look at what they've done in the women's league, do you think that that would improve as a team? Um, yes and no. So yes, definitely, because ultimately you learn to play faster. You have to be a bit more aggressive because, like, you know, their elbows are going to be at your face. Like the amount of times I've had black eyes from the elbow of a guy, like you can't fold like a piece of paper and roll around on the floor because accidents happen at, at the end of the day. So it teaches you to be, OK, not more aggressive, but perhaps a little bit stronger and to hold yourself a little bit better. Um it's also quite a nice mentality to play against guys where they might start off a little bit easy because they think you won't catch anything and whatever to then see them try and up their game and match you a little bit. It's always nice mentally as well. But at the same time, guys do play slightly differently. And if you want to succeed in women's leagues or, you know, look at some tactics that perhaps are used more by women than by men, you do also need to be playing against women's teams. So in terms of like the Wolverines at the beginning only playing men, wasn't always the best practice it was always useful when we could play against another women's team at some point but I do think it doesn't harm you and especially for teams like the Cougars where you get to a certain level where you need competition and you know the game you know your style to then go out and play against guys teams is definitely in my opinion absolutely useful because then you are just competing in your own way with your own knowledge of the game and the rules and your format but just faster um well not always faster but you know, sometimes faster, sometimes taller, sometimes stronger, um, and perhaps even people that have just played 10 times as long as you have because their teams have been around longer. So, um, you know, like with, with the Wardorf ladies, we play, we're very much joined with the men's. Um, we train with them, we play with them, we often play mixed, we go to tournaments where they play. We learn so much from them as well. Um, and it's actually really nice that they take advice from us too sometimes when we see something. I know me and Benny often... Um, at home we pretty much only talk football and we go through tapes and whatever um, but I just I really like having that I like having the women's and the team men's team connected and I think Warwick had the same thing for me that we had the Wolverines and we had the Wolves so I just think this you know going back to what Phil said the fact that it's a mixed sport is actually really beneficial and you know even with GB when we're out there the men's and the women's teams get on really well and I, I just think that's only a benefit whether you're playing against them or just 
chatting with them, to be perfectly honest. I think it's always a benefit. So now we've gone to the, the next bit where you get to ask the next guest a question. And normally I don't have anybody lined up specifically and it's just a case of whoever contacts me first will get into this one. But I do think that the next, the, the next guest on the show will be Mick Smith. Just in case you want to tailor your question in any way or make it better or worse for him. But uh, Louise, it's your episode. What's the, uh, the question for Mick? So I'm going to stick with my question. I think it, I think it fits to me quite well. Um, and maybe this comes from a big, bold background, but I'm going to go with if you could go to the perfect tournament, what does that look like for you? So in terms of, I don't know, format, uh, how long it lasts for, teams that are there, number of teams, I don't know, inside, outside, the rules that you use, length of games or whatever it is, what would that look like to you, perhaps based on um, past experiences or whatever? What's... You know, what's, what would be your dream tournament if you could go to go to one? What would it be? What would it look like? And Phil, what's your question? Oh, wait, you want a question from me? Yeah, I'll, I'll let you ask one as well. You can have two. Okay. Oh, man, no, wait. Uh, well, if it's Mick, then I'm just going to... If it is Mick, then I'm just going to ask, what's your fondest memory of me, Mick? That's cute. Or maybe what's your fondest memory of our time together? I guess it's the same question, but something like that. Watching tape in the hotel room, having a little cuddle after the. <laughs> that, that's my fondest memory of the two of you together. <laughs> memory, you know, uh, something that never happened. Either way. <laughs> um, so the way we normally do is we all ask you the same questions now. So, Louise, what is your favourite memory of Phil? My favourite memory of Phil. Oh gosh, that's so hard to choose. There's been a lot. I mean, the, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay away from like the emotional ones where we we've won and lost together. Uh, I do. I, one of them could actually possibly be when we played a tournament recently where I broke my leg and the look of relief on Phil's face that he wasn't the one responsible for me anymore. So he just kind of laughed at. I think Wayne was carrying me to the car to go to the hospital and he just laughed. I remember Phil just laughing in my face. Um, when I got my tooth knocked in, you kind of also laughed a little bit, I think. So that's always amusing. You know, my favourite memory of Phil is our very, very first toaster session ever, where he just yelled for an hour, bum down, bum down, as we did backpedalling drills. Somebody asked me, like, how was it at the end? I was like, you just have to keep your bum down. So that's, I'm going to go with that one. Having him shout bum down for an hour in our very first training backpedalling skills. There we go. <laughs> I was going to say, I think actually my favourite memory of Lou, which you touched upon there, is I don't know whether it was Wayne or but Benny was there as well, right, the second time when you injured yourself. Um, and it was actually one of those moments where after, I don't think it was a look of relief, it was actually uh, more, a, more a kind of uh, sadness as someone's being someone's coach for so long. And then it's like, oh man, yeah, this this really isn't my job anymore to to look after Lou. Like I'd stopped being coach of the Wolverines. I was only there to sort of scout for GB. And after taking Lou to the hospital so many times, it, uh, and even actually now my my now wife ended up going with Lou to the hospital uh, during one tournament. Like I think that handing on of looking after Lou uh, is a really was a really emotional moment. Well, it's nice to hear it from your perspective, Phil. I just remember you laughing at me. <laughs> It was more a laughing of like, of course it's you, of course it's happened. Yeah, you look over someone's down. It was worth it, I got a pick, so. Yeah. yeah. Like I say, nothing matters. So the next question is, like your, your perfect tournament. 
obviously, Big Bold is, is up there with the perfect tournaments. Right, yeah, it's just I mean, run by amazing people, you know, so why would it not be? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can get any better than Big Bowl. Um, for me, I think I've met so many friends, so many life lifelong friends at, at Big Bowl, had a good time, and this year was just gutting to not be able to go, even ran the sort of Victoria Park Panthers Big Bowl digitally, where we sort of did a um, did a sort of question of sport quiz and uh, a sort of fantasy version of it, and yeah, I just don't think you can get any better than Big Ball. I'm happy to just uh, say we're living the dream with Big Ball anyway. That's good to hear. I think, Mick can't do that because Mick's never been, so that so Mick is going to be in for a challenge. True, he needs to. I think I think basically we're fishing for ideas that we can steal from Mick for the next Big Ball. I, I I like the organisation of it. I think knowing that it runs on time and having the official refs and stuff like that for me is quite. Maybe I'm a bit of an organisation freak. Maybe it's the German nature rubbing off on me. So um, I always look for that when I go to other tournaments. So I think that would be up there for me. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I went to a British tournament that ran anywhere near time. So <laughs> yeah, welcome to Germany. So it'll be interesting to see what Nick Mix is because he's a uh, yeah he's not been out to Big Bob before. So maybe we can pinch some of his ideas. I mean, you say about the 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 Baffert, well, then said so the British tournaments running over and things like that. It's a case of you look at the schedule. The last game is scheduled to finish at one o'clock. You think, well, it's going to finish about two half two sort of thing you you plan for the the overrun and things like that i mean half, half two an hour and a half late you're having a laugh it's usually like five at least <laughs> i was about to say i never got home from opal that early <laughs> no, i think one of the one of the funniest ones we ever had was where i think the first time that they, we tried to implement a kind of big bowl schedule at a tournament here and this is like no no uh naysaying on the on the organizers you could see what they're trying to do but i can't remember whether we were up in sheffield or something and it was just raining it was difficult and it got to the end and so many teams had already disappeared because it was so late that actually my now wife was refing the semi-final um, because they didn't have enough people to actually ref the semi-finals and have enough people for the games. And we basically just had to get out of there once we lost the semi-final because she was like, I can't ref the final. Like, just, you know. <laughs> oh, poor Sophie. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure. I, mean, I, I don't know how. I mean, I've, I've been to one big bowl and obviously, like you said, when you look at the British tournaments and you think, this will finish soon at some point, maybe. And then you look at Big Bowl and it's, is it six fields you've got going there? And, yeah. and it just non-stop. I think, I think the, it's eight o'clock in the morning it starts, wasn't it? Yeah, so basically because the, the more teams that want to come, the more we have to expand the schedule. So I think some days it can run sort of eight till eight, which is obviously a problem then with the people having food and then wanting to go to the party. Um, the biggest problem we have is if you have something like the year with the thunderstorm, because it then it does ruin a lot of games. It's not like you play eight till four, and if it starts to rain three ish, okay, you miss a game. You know, you you washing out then a good good few games. So that's always a bit of a problem when you've got such a packed schedule. But um, I don't really know why it runs so well. I don't know if it's because it's warmer, so there's often fewer injuries, or the injuries that are happening are like a you can limp off and be dealt with on the sideline. Whereas sometimes I felt perhaps with Opal, like where I broke my leg because it's cold, you get in sometimes different levels of injuries, if that's maybe me making that up, I don't know. But stuff like that, like being warm, people want to get off the field and get their water and the games run faster without clock control and central clock and everything. I don't know if it's, if it's to do with that, but they do seem to run it on schedule. I'm not really sure what the secret ingredient is. Maybe I'm just not sharing it. Well, if you ever do work it out or if you ever do want to share, if you let the rest of England know, yeah. we'll try and organise some on-time tournaments. 
maybe Benny should just hire himself out as an as a tournament head. Maybe he knows the secret. I mean, that wouldn't be a bad job to have, would it? If it was like a fully paid job. I reckon he'd love it. <laughs> Travelling around Europe, just setting up flag football tournaments. I might not like the uh, fallout from it, but he would probably enjoy doing it. <laughs> I'll put it to him, see what he says. So once again, that's, that's it. That's your episode done. You are now free to not pick any more players for your team if you want. <sighs> I can stop thinking about it all night now. So thank you once again, Louise, for, for joining us on this one. Thank you for inviting me. It was nice to talk about the women's game a little bit. And Phil, thank you for stepping in for Andrew. My pleasure. So maybe we'll get you on one of the next episodes and you can start picking out your ultimate team. Maybe. If I'm not in it, I'll be offended. Just. (laughs) (laughs) So you've only got 10 slots left now. You do realise that. (laughs) So thank you guys once again. And I hope we'll uh, be back on the field soon and playing in in every country we can. Yeah, sounds good. That wraps up this episode. Find us on Facebook at First and Fifteen Podcast. Give us a like to keep up with all of our shows. Also, check out our sponsor, Nuola, for all your customised sportswear supplies.